Welcome back, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weimerger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weimerger, licensed clinical social worker, over here on jrootradio.com. Together with me, we have Harav Nissen here in the studio, and we'll be taking your questions and comments along the mental health field. Any question or comment you have, you can call in to 718-683-5858. That is 718-683-5858. So, Bar Hashem, there is a flow of simchas that are happening in the family, Bar Hashem. And the next simcha that I'd like to share is with my mother. And for the simcha of marrying off my youngest brother, Yitzchak, to a most amazing family. That is the Landau family, Yechiel Landau, and to Shea Parnas, and to the special Kala Rifki Landau. Mazel Tov, looking forward to the Eifrif coming up this Shabbos, and then Meretz Hashem for the simchas that are going to be coming up. Baruch Hashem, may we all share in Simchas together, us and everyone together in Klal Yisrael. So it's a big, it's a great emotional event for me, for the family, to see my youngest brother, youngest sibling get married in Baruch Hashem, such a beautiful, happy way. May we all continue to share in Simchas. So the number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to send your text, just to be aware that we've got them, that I will probably be taking ahead of time the callers over the text, but we still look at your comments, we take them. So let's go ahead, the number if you'd like to text is 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. Nine eight. One more time, the number to call in is 718-683-5858. Harv Nissen, who do we have on? <clears throat> Mrs. G. We have Mrs. G. You're on the air with Mordechai and Nissen. Oh, hello. That was quick. Yes. Well, you're the first one to call in. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm calling from England. I wanted to make a comment and a suggestion. Please go right ahead. Okay. I wanted to make a comment about the discussion you had um, last week about a bad mood and a quiet mood? Yes. Okay. I wanted to clarify something I think that you mentioned, but I don't think, I didn't feel it was stressed enough. Go ahead. And that was, okay, that was about that, that when a person is in a bad mood, it's not a positive thing. I mean, most of us are sometimes in a bad mood, but most of the time it's not a positive thing. We get into it um, because something or someone triggered it. And unless we work through the reason, unless we work through it, we're just going to get, keep on getting into that bad mood again and again. Excellent. Very true. Okay, and I know it's easier said than done, but I think it's worthwhile. I appreciate you giving that clarification, yes. Okay, I just felt it wasn't stressed enough. And then I want to make a quick suggestion for your listeners. That I'm sure there are some listeners who, like me, um, sometimes wish to ask you a question regarding children under the age of nine. Yes. Um, I know I do, um, and I wanted to just share with them that I think um, I'm listening. I've only started listening to you recently, so I'm listening back well, all the on, previous shows. Hold on, hold on. I was going to ask you, you're not going to mention someone's name that you're listening to, correct? No, 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 no. Good, good. I just want to be sure you're not going to be, like, recommending any parenting courses. I'm going to be recommending you. Um, oh. I'm listening. I'm listening backwards to all your old shows, and um, I think up to number about... Around 50, maybe a little more, you were still answering people's parenting questions? Yes. So I found them extremely helpful. I was like going backwards and suddenly I, was, I realized that in, that in the beginning you were still answering people's parenting questions. Yes. 
and I found them extremely helpful. That is great. Thank you. So for those of you listening, so in the recordings of my on my on my line, that's seven one eight two nine eight two zero one one. Seven one eight two nine eight two zero one one. So we're holding, I think, by number one hundred and forty something. Each show is divided into two because they're two hours. So the audio uploads can only hold one hour at a time. And um, so I'm glad to know. So up to so the first fifty programs, we still answer on yes, and there were a lot of parenting questions there. Yeah, I realize. I realize now why you don't take them anymore. Ah, okay. Can you clarify to the people why I stopped taking them? Because um, unless somebody is specifically looking for, unless somebody is looking, um, would have asked the same parenting question, that means that it's really applying to their children, um, then they wouldn't be interested, unless it's really something that is going on with their child, with the questions that people are calling in now, it's interesting for everyone. Yes, thank you, and that's part of it, and one of the other components to that is because I find it very skills-based that I give the tools and then they don't get it correctly or because you need a follow-up two or three more weeks. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Thank you. I so appreciate um, your feedback. Okay. Um, now I'm on the phone. I did decide to ask a question. Is that that's okay? Go right ahead. Yep. Okay. Maybe it's a bit of an odd question. Um, I want to know if it's possible to stop a habit completely. A bad habit. Um, I'm talking specifically about um, one, and that is biting nails. I know that um, I've stopped for a couple of years even. I've stopped multiple times. But there's always going to be some kind of stress to bring it up again. I want to know if it's, if you know anyone who's stopped forever. Yes. Give you the one answer, yep. I know so yeah. many people have stopped forever. Okay, so that's encouraging. Okay. You're welcome. What I expected the next question. No, nope, that's it. No, you're not going to ask the next step? Avnissa was thinking of the next question. How do you do it? No, you're not curious? How do you do it? Um, I, 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 because I've stopped for, for years at a time, I do know how to do it. I just feel that there's always something going on that brings it back on. I know how to stop. So let's go ahead and take this awareness for a second. And if you know how to stop, why does it come back? Okay, I think what you're trying to get to is that if one knows how to cope with stress, one shouldn't start again. That's right. And when you start finding yourself the first time biting your nails, it's a warning sign. It's your hello sign from your subconscious telling you there is some stress going on that you're not dealing with and if you can recognize that right away or if you can even recognize it before you start biting your nails and you do whatever is needed the self-care the steps the tools the saying yes the saying no the doing whatever changes have to be made then you will find that you will not be actually biting your nails at all i find the same thing with people that stutter same thing with people that get migraine headaches or back pains under stress and that is the stuttering, the headaches, the back pains, the feet pains, once, once the body is, once the medical doctor rules it out as a medical issue, it's more stress-related issue, then these are our body signs of telling us what we're doing. So to me, unfortunately, I keep a lot in and I get, I don't use the word anxious, but I can get angry. And that's my sign that I am avoiding to make certain decisions and they must be made. 
So once your body tells you or created or picked a certain pattern by you, it's biting the nails. Someone else, it could be stuttering. Someone else, it could be migraine. Someone else, it could be anger. Someone else, it could be, you know, leg pains or back pains. Appreciate it and just say thank you because now you have a very clear telltale sign <clears throat> that you need to make changes. Right. So the problem is that I, I am aware this is how I, I could deal with it and that's how I've been able to be off it for years Excellent. at a time. But what I've realized is that there's just that want that I'd get back into it and I just wanted to have that encouragement to know that of course. it's it yes. shy to stop forever. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, great. Thank you so much for You're very welcome. all your shows. I appreciate it and thank you for calling in all the way from England. Thank you. Excellent. So we're gonna take another caller. Miss G. Miss G, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nissim. Hi. Hi. I have an issue. I always get into trouble in school. I really really want to behave, but somehow it's very hard for me. Can you help me? Do you have any ideas? Can you help me just behave, not be chutzpahing and so on? Good. Let's start. What's the problem? I just get into trouble. I don't know why. Can you give me some more words? What do you do? I... If I get upset and the teacher, she doesn't call me, then I start, like, blowing and getting upset. So the and I show it. She sees it. So what happens is, and what about when your parents, because it sounds like your mother's in the background. So what about if your mother tells you something that you don't like, do you also act the same way? What? What happens if your mother tells you something that you don't like or if she doesn't answer you quick enough? Do you also react the same way? It's not like that. It's different because she's my mother. I know. I'm asking you answer the question. <laughs> Do you act the same way to your mother if she doesn't give you what you want or when you want it? It doesn't answer the way you'd like. Do you also make faces and like huff and puff or sometimes get angry? Yes, a few times. Okay. So let's, let's recognize a second that this has nothing to do with your teacher. This has to do with you. When something doesn't go how you would like, how do you react? Um, I'm like, well, yeah, now I'm upset. I'm upset. Yeah. Now, let's take it a step deeper. Why are you so upset? Do you really believe that everyone has to give you what you want when you want it? No, but it's me. I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait. So let's stop with it. Let's think about it a second. So what happens when your teachers or your, mo or your mother tells you, that you can't have something. Now, what do you feel on the inside? They don't love you. They don't care about you. You must have it right away. You can't survive without it. What's the thought patterns that happen? What was the question? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? What do you think about when they, someone tells you no? Okay. What do you think then? doesn't like me. She hates me. I think she doesn't like me. Yeah? So, yeah. your teacher, what about if your mother tells you no? Do you also think she doesn't like you? Yeah. Oh. So, let's understand something. Somewhere, you learned that when someone gives you what you want, that means they love you. And if they don't give you what they want, that means they hate you or they don't like you. Correct? Correct. Now, how, what's going to happen... Whenever you're going to ask your friends for something and they don't want to give it to you. If now a yes, getting what you want means love and not getting what you want means hey, they hate you. What would happen if it's going to happen with friends? What happens if a friend will tell you no? 
I don't feel she hates me because I'm a friend. So is a friend allowed to tell you no? Yeah. If you ask a friend for snack at the recess and she says no, how do you react? I don't get so mad because I, because I get also so mad. don't want do to you give. Get like, mad? I want my snack for me. I'm not asking if you get so mad. I'm asking if you get mad. Do you get mad? She doesn't give you. Do you get mad? Get upset at her? I'm not so upset. No, not really. Notice not really. Is not really nothing at all or a little uh, bit? A little bit. Nothing. A little bit. Okay. Great. So let's recognize that when you get a no, that's the difficulty for you. Correct? Yeah. When someone says no, that's hard for you. Yeah. All right. Now let me ask you something. If you were a mother and someone or you're a teacher and you're teaching 20 other kids in the class, or if you're a mother and you're in the middle of preparing supper and one of your kids are going to ask you right now, I want you to stop and give me something, how would you feel? Say I feel like be quiet, don't scream, and don't. Like. That's right. So now let's understand this. You understand that your mother and your teachers can't answer you right away, but yet you feel that you need to get the answer right away. Right. Right. Is there a way that we could now change the image in your mind for you to realize that even when someone tells you no, they still love you and they still think so highly of you? They still love you, even though they're not. Again. What? Sorry. Can, can you imagine? Understand. Could you imagine that if someone tells you no, they still love you? Yeah, I know they love me. No, but. you don't. So close your eyes a second. And I want you to feel that you would like something, and a teacher could tell you no, and your mother could tell you no, and you could say, Thank you, Mora. And thank you, Mommy. And I know you love me. Imagine you can just say that. How mm -hmm. would you feel? Um. Can you do that? You feel and I want you to realize a lot. The reason why I'm spending so much time on this is because so many adults have that issue. The other times I'm dealing with shalom bias and a husband or a wife, or if they're not available right away, or if they're not talking, or if they have a friend that's not available to talk when they're calling right away, they don't like me. What's wrong? What's wrong with them? Don't they know I need them now? And what we want to teach is that when sometimes when people say no, I still love you. It's hard to feel that way. We know it's hard, but I think that was your mother's answer. I want to ask you now, what's your answer? What can give you the feeling that when someone tells you no, it's just because they might be busy, but they still love you. So you're going to hear the words, Shefala, I love you so much. You're so special, but right now is not the time. How would you feel then if you would hear those words? How would you feel? I feel that he loves me, but... I would feel she loves me. Now stop. Now, if she loves you, would it bother you that much if you get a no? No. Exactly. So somewhere your brain learned, your head learned, that when you get a yes, it's love. When you get a no, it's hate. And what we want to teach you is that when a teacher or a mother says no for your brain to hear, wow, they love me completely. And they would love to give it to me, but right now, either they feel it's not right for me, or it's not right for them at this time to give it to me, or it just might be a good lesson for me to practice a no. Hashem tells us no all the time. Don't you want to be sometimes 20 years old already out of school? 
I want to be. Of course, and Hashem is telling you no. Sometimes I want to be back in school. I'd love to learn all those things I wasn't interested in school. Now I'd love to learn that. <laughs> so Hashem is saying no, we don't go back in time. We learn from our lessons of the past. So the question of the exercise that your mother is going to practice with you when we hang up is how you can start hearing a no with love. And part of it might be where your mother might start actually telling you those words. Whatever your name is, Ms. G, I love you so much, but right now the answer is no. Just hearing those words, after a couple of times, you'll be able to hear a no without even that. And just like telling you, I love you so much, and yes. So I love you either way. When I give you the yes and when I give you the no, there's always love then you might not feel that great need that I need to have it. Harav Nissan, what do you say to this? Okay, I think it's good. Yeah, what do you? I think that the mother has to be more uh, participate in this game, but uh, I see that from the background, she answer her, her question, so a little so, bit uh, be more verbal on the love uh, issue, not in the command issue. On the suggestion on helping out. Great. So I also want to appreciate and thank the mother for being on the phone because you helped out the, the caller for your daughter to speak and for your daughter to understand it. That's very brave of you. And to continue helping out now to start with a I love you or with it's a very important to me your question, but the answer is no. So this way she'll feel valued, but at the same time not feel bad. Thank you for calling in. We're going to go to the next call just before... Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and you are so very brave for calling in, and we can tell the life and the spunk that you got to your life. We're just going to read a positive, because I like it. It's the first text of the evening, so we'll take it. And it's a positive on several points, so we'll take it. Hello, Mordechai. I'm one of your big, big listeners on your phone line and radio shows. I'd like to share with you and all the listeners a few compliments on you. It's hard for me to say it loud on the phone, so I'll text it to you. One, it's unbelievable the way you start with everyone, with such a good feeling, how welcome he is. Two, the way you reframe the question with such clearness, the getting, and you getting to the point of the question. Three, the unbelievable answers you suggest. Four, making the person thinking with your smart questions that he should come to the clearness of their answer. Five, you make feel everyone's question important. Six, even you can't answer even you can't answer, you're making the problem so small by asking over just the point of the question. So it sounds like the person, whoops, we lost it. So it sounds like the person is like, to, so it sounds to the person, it's just small. You're a real honest person. You don't have a problem saying, I don't know. Eight, you're real help and shliach for Klai Yisrael. Nine, above everything, there is so much to learn from the way you're answering more than what you're answering. Hashem should pay you back for all you're doing. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, let's go to some of the next callers. Hello? Mrs. G, yes, you're on the air with Mordechai and Nisim. Okay, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, okay, I have something that's been bothering me for um, a while. Okay, um, okay, it comes, like, Baruch Hashem, like, I, like, you know, over, like, over the years, like, I, I came to accept things. Um, in my life that, you know, I thought that was going to be one way and then it ended up being a different way. Oh, yes, yeah, so I can share like with you reality. on that level. <laughs> I have so many plans yeah. and things are working so different directions. Right. Always for the better at the end, but during the process, it's, yes, I can relate right. to that. So, but what happens? So, over the years, I accept and I come to, you know, accepting and, and understanding that 
this is where I'm supposed to be, and this is um, this is going to help me grow and be the best I can be. But come Shabbat, when I'm not busy, and then reality is in my face, <laughs> and I can't change anything or anyone, and it's very hard to have menuchat nefesh on Shabbat when just all this is in my face. Oh, so so I'm trying true. to deal with it over the week, and I'm trying to like be positive and understanding and everything. And then comes Shabbat, where it's just like it's so quiet and so um, like there's just so much time. And then you just see things are happening around you, and you're just reminded of all those things that you're working on trying to accept, but it's just hard to do because there's nowhere to go. There's no. There's nothing to distract me. There's nothing else for me to do. I can't cook. I can't clean. I can't do laundry. I can't go shopping. I can't go to work. I can't do anything. I just have to sit and just just stare reality in the face. So how can I come to Menuchat um, Nefesh on Shabbat when you're supposed to be happy and at ease? Okay, he, I just wanted him to take the start with the question. So let's clarify what your question is, because I feel your question is an amazing question for awareness. Your question is as follows, and you'll tell me if I got it right, that okay. there are people, let's take you, that there's a lot going on in your life and you have learned how to sort of surrender to the Rabbi Nishleilam, let go. You've learned to trust the Rabbi Nishleilam and say, if this is what you want, that's okay. And you sort of continue through life. So your logic is very clear. Correct? Right. right. Now, what is happening is on Shabbos, when there is peacefulness, this quietness, you can't rush. And now there's a different part of your brain, which we'll clarify in a minute, but when it's quiet, that those messages, those pains start bubbling up again. And now right. how do you calm it and how do you quiet those messages? Mm -hmm. Is that your question? Exactly. Okay. Now let's understand your question and then we're going to create it and, and show you how most of the world suffers from this issue. And I'll even share with you several negative tools that the world uses. And that's unfortunately how we deal with it. So let's take your question and clarify it on a deeper level. As I discussed many times, we have the logical part in our brain, and that is the top part of our brain, and that's called the... My mind just got a blank. I'll search for a second. Then you've got the emotional part of the brain, which is about much less, and that's called the amygdala. That's the feeling part of the brain. I'm just Googling what it's called again. Um, there we go. Or not. Um, so, let's just... So let's just get the question. There it is. It's called the cortex. Three quarters of our brain, the entire top layer is called the cortex. You've got the visual cortex, you've got the frontal cortex in the front of the mind. And what the cortex is, the top layer of the brain, it gives you all the logic thinking. Then we have a middle component in there called the amygdala. That's the feeling part of the brain, or sometimes called the limbic system. And those are feelings. So we can logically be at ease with some information, but emotionally not. And a classical example is I can sometimes be in the office and I know, oh, great, here's a tough phone call coming. And I can tell myself, relax, Mordechai, stay calm. And within three minutes, that person's got me triggered. Why? Because while I can be logically in one part, means my brain logically is calm, but when I emotionally get triggered, now my emotional brain turns on. So we actually have two different brain operating systems working together in our brains at all time. Mm -hmm. So what happens on Shabbos is when we don't have the stimulant 
the stimulus that we do or the stimuli that we use to keep our emotional brain buried, then it comes waking up, it comes shouting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Unfortunately, the logic brain and the emotional brain have two, uh, two different systems, which means what might work for you on the logical brain, like say, I trust Hashem, it's all best shared, it's all okay, might work for the logic, but the thought pattern doesn't work. Which means, and that's where you have a lot of the people that are saying, we got to feel Hashem, we have to feel it in our body. That is working to our emotional brain. So logic doesn't go to emotion, emotion doesn't go to logic. Although it's not as black and white as I'm making it, because of course our logic does affect emotions and emotions affect logic. But I don't want to go into the details on explaining all that. I just want to get the concept. The way we need to heal emotions is with emotions. The way we need to heal logic is with logic. Unfortunately, some negative tools that people use, and that's where addictions come in. Whenever you speak to someone that's stuck in an addiction, they're running away from themselves. They're running away from a huge pain. And therefore, they always have to be high. They'll either take drugs or other stuff, go gambling. They need to be busy and they always need a new high because in they themselves, they feel horrible. They feel worthless and they're trying to run away. So what I would be recommending to you is to first recognize and instead of just doing logic therapy or trying to tell yourself it's all bashert, part of the system that we need to do is, as we say in Perkyavas, when a person's furious, the emotions are going, that's not the time to relax a person. It's not time to tell them, eh, don't worry, it's all bashert. That's not the language that you speak to a person that's angry. We need to go into the emotion. You got to let him shout it out. What are you saying? What's bothering you? And they express it all. And then, Ah, oh, I feel so much better. I just had to express. Does that make sense? Okay, but on Shabbat you can't do that. Oh, you can't express on Shabbat? Mm, not really, because you don't want to get too emotional. Oh, really? And why can't you get emotional on Shabbos? Because you want to. You, you have to. You have to be happy. You have to. You don't want to cause strife or. You ah, bring so denial. So means be... if we block an emotion, do you think you're avoiding the denial and the fight? The thing is that we know that, no, I know, but we're doing it, we're doing it because we know that we're not supposed to be upset on Shabbat. Let's not, hold on, let me ask you a question. Did you actually ask a Rav, or you're paskening now your own Shilas, from what you heard on the speech that um, someone said? I know, I have a bad habit of doing that. <laughs> ah, exactly. What you will find is that our brain rationalizes in this name of the Torah why we do certain things when we never even ask a competent Rav. I wonder if you would ask a Rav, do I stay in denial and not express an emotion that I have and I will be in a bad mood and I got to be busy and then it will affect me and I'm pushing it? Or maybe I should talk to my husband or talk to whoever it is, my parents, for about five or ten minutes in a room and then I'll feel so much better and everyone will be happier. And I might even get angry. I might even yell in that five minutes. But after that, I got it all out and I'll be a ball of energy, of positive energy. I wonder if you ask a Rav what the Rav will pass. I don't know and I don't want to take that Rav. I don't want to take that role. All I will say is ask a competent Rav. I wonder what the... I really don't want to say I wonder because I have a lot of experience when I speak to Rabbanim about it. And it's, it's amazing the heterim that are out there. And they might even tell you it's actually a mitzvah. It's not even a heter. Or they'll say when they're talking about angry and all that stuff, it's talking about it's what you're doing what keeps the anger going. And expressing it and working it out, it could, might even be the greatest shalom bias out there. 
Yeah, Again, but you're you saying to, that if it's only 10 minutes, you're just saying... I am not saying... I'm, you haven't shared oh. with me what the issue is. You haven't gone into details. You want me no, to right. pass in a Shiloh without giving anything? Just like right. a Rav won't pass without hearing the details. Me as a therapist, I won't tell you what to do if you're not my client. We're just right. creating awareness over here. The awareness that we are creating over here is that you have a belief that if you share an emotion, it will cause problems and it will cause a fight on Shabbos. And that's your rationalization why you're not doing it. And what I was suggesting is chances are if you learn to express it healthy at the proper beginning time when it starts, it will be a great time and it will be fantastic and it will help everyone. And then you had a question, maybe halachically it's not permissible, which I tell you from my experience working with Rabbanim, they might even say it's the other way around. It might be a mitzvah to do it and an Avera not to. Why? Well, let's do it the other way. Do you speak about it after Shabbos? Oh, I'll explain to you why. The Rambam Paskins, that if you have anger or pain to someone and you don't express it, you're over on a You think that by holding it in is actually helping someone and really you're getting a love, an Avera, every single second. I'm not Paskins, I'm just sharing with you some of the points that the Rambam says. The no, Rambam, but then you work on then you work on thinking. Okay, then you work on thinking. I'm not here. This is we're going. I'm and not, you try to understand and forgive and all uh, that. Well, you see, notice how you're doing all that by yourself without asking a competent rav again. So what's happening is you live in your mind. You have different difficulties. You've had your questions and you have your own answers without consulting anyone. I'm appreciating how much you're consulting me that you're brave enough to call him to the program and to ask. That's amazing. That's very brave. And that's why you're getting all this information. You might but, actually be doing the negative and the wrong effect both on the psychological level and on a halachic level. Again, we need to ask a rav. But do you understand that keeping things in that we rationalize in our mind is really helping someone? And most of the time, once you go into therapy, we see we're really weak. We're afraid to express we're afraid of the pain it might cause us. We're not really afraid of causing them pain, although that might be our rationalization. When you really go into it, we see there's so much about us that we're afraid of rather than the them. Mm-hmm. By the way, was I too tough on you? No. Listen, do you say I was too tough on her? I feel <laughs> better. What's be, you your take even on this? Tougher. I could take it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I, I hope no, I wasn't. Really, no, 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 you weren't tough at all. Okay. No. When, no, when a person, like, when a person, when a per, with overtime, when a person um, learns how to take things, it's, not, it's like you're not tough. It's just like that's just how it is. Yes. Like you learn how to just, you know, take it and understand it and swallow it and, and move on. But like I, I didn't, like you weren't tough. It's like I hear what you're saying. Excellent. But I really felt like, you know, like when we go, when we go to classes or we listen, you know, we go to a shiur and they say, you know, it's funny because, like, on one hand, we're learning that, you know, like, you have to, you know, try to look at the person, try to understand why they're doing things, forgive them. And on the other hand, then you're saying that maybe it's wrong because, like, you're hurting yourself. So we're always, it's like we're, we're, we're searching to try to do what's right. But um, I don't know. Like, we end up doing what's wrong, like, based on what we learn it's based on what we hear. We think we're doing the right thing. We think it's a mitzvah. But then you're saying that you're not. That it's not a mitzvah. Ah, and so here you got into the place of life. Balance. What? Balance. That's the question of life. When do you express? When do you keep it in? When are you mavata? When do you defend your rights? That's when someone is healthy and they're able to do both. Then they know when the balance is. That's also why we connect to Rabbanim. That's why we connect to people that we can be close to. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we learn to trust ourselves. Harav Nissen, I want to hear what's his take on this. 
<laughs> we're getting all bombarded from all 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 over yeah so you know i i could under, you know certain issue i can understand that really we have to put ourselves in shabbat and uh, uh, that and we said the chachamim said to us you know remind yourself this is shabbat you know so if we have issue for example i have, I have something this in a business uh, running in my head and stuff like this I'm trying to say to myself, and trying to keep this on the right proportion. But if it's issues that uh, you have been be between people that in around the cycle that you the cycle that you have, and definitely you can, you know, try to take a deep breath and just say it as as quiet as possible. But to you know, say you said. Tell what you have, you're feeling about it, and try not to explode. That, then it's different. This is what he said, Rabbi. Rabbi, it's balance, balance, and balance, and try to think about other people. Yes, we have definitely we have to understand. I want to say something that I found very uh, amazing, that we as human, we like to interpret our laws, you know, and certain, especially certain people that. Uh, you know, be, become a, a more more, more uh, religious than a pop, as we said. <laughs> right. And uh, trying to give us uh, ourselves uh, certain chumrot that uh, in Hebrew said mm -hmm. uh, that the, 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 the words machmir uh, has become from chamor, from a donkey somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, so we have to understand where's the balance and try to find out really a selah and try to consult with our rabbis about it. I don't see a any issue t to say to my children or to my spouse or something that I, I feel in this moment can be affect all the Shabbat. Something, you know, that something that is, but try to do it on the, in the right way. It's not easy. Yep. It's not easy. Thanks. Okay, thank Excellent. you. Excellent, and it was very brave of you to call. And we're just going to take a question from the Lakewood Scoop. Some members of my Hello. family have hurt my spouse terribly. We've gone to therapy and our Baruch Hashem in a very good place. However, there are times in the year that my family will get together and ask me to join and participate. And as nicely and diplomatically as I can, as, a, as I can, I usually get out of it. I usually get out of it. My question is, how can I make my family understand that there are certain things my spouse and I won't or can't do? And when I politely refuse or say I'll think about it, they should understand that that means please take a step back. What can I say to set down the rules? Well, notice in your question, you're not saying anything. If you want to say to set down the rules, actually verbalize it. Speak to one at a time. Tell them, these are mine and my spouse's needs. We are one. This is what we could do. This is what we can do. Take us or leave us. But this is it. When I say I'll think about it, it means no. Start teaching them your code words. And that might be extremely necessary. But understand, no one will know anything unless it's expressed. If it's expressed... It can be talked about. They might have issues with it. They might not like it. But again, if you've gone to therapy, you'll have some of the tools to say, we need to continue this conversation another time. Or do I have the right to say no to certain options? Or if you, let's say, tell me to break a chocolate cake, can you give me three options? A chocolate cake, make the chicken soup, or, or whatever it should be, or watch the kids in the afternoon. But give me three choices instead of tell me, bring this or do that. Speaking it out, working it out is extremely important. Maybe saying certain topics that hurt your husband. That could be an interesting topic. 
uh, you know, just a discussion with them, they might not be aware that their topic is actually hurting you. So just for that reason, I would really recommend that you verbalize it, you express it, and you talk about it. Okay. Um, let's go to the next question. Mrs. A, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say about the person who uh, said that she's having trouble stopping to bite her nails. Sure. Okay, so I just wanted to add that, like, Bar Hashem, everything's fine at home. Everything's good in my life, and um, I can't stop biting my nails. Okay. So I don't think it's necessarily from stress. Now, it's not, it, is, it is not necessarily from stress. It can also be a habit that you started just out of fun. So... I don't got what's closing it. Well, now notice that some people. I'll ask you, how long are you biting your nails? Um, a long time, as long as I could remember. That's it. So it might not be your case. Might not be stress, but many people do have it from stress, which it's similar like learning. Some kids suck their thumbs, but then they can't stop. It's a mm-hmm. behavior. Once you're trained in a behavior, then you're going to do the behavioral systems to stop that. But the mm-hmm. issue is. The issue is when someone has it from stress, many times they're aware of that. And the stress, the biting the nails is a very clear telltale sign. Okay, um, do you know any ways there I could stop? Sure. It's, just, it's like annoying. Yeah. Number one is it's always the first week that's the hardest and after that you're usually good to go. So instead mm-hmm. of biting your nails, I usually like telling the person, when you're ready to bite your nails, do another behavior. It's easier to change out of that second behavior. So instead of biting your nails, you might want to squeeze your thumb. Some people, when they want to stop smoking, like they have a pen that they always keep in their pocket because they're used to going into their shirt pocket and taking out the cigarettes. This way they have a pen and they'll pr- uh, press, press and play with the pen. So what behavior can you do? You might want to just like touch your earlobe, as I'm just doing for those of you that are watching. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, can you I tr- don't know. Yeah. I would have to think of one. So pick up a behavior and do it before you have the urge to bite your nails. Like you want to touch that thumb. Let's say I'm squeezing my thumb now like 10, 15, 20 times. You want to train your body ahead of the need when the need comes up that you already have a new behavior. And even if you fall once or twice, it's still okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. You're welcome. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Mrs. H, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello? Mrs. S, like in Sam. Oh, hello? Yes. Oh, thank you. Thanks for taking the call. Um, I teach nursery kids. I have one student, um, she keeps on taking in, like, stuff in her mouth and keeps on chewing on it. Yes. I would like to know if it's an issue or just ignore it or tell them, like, is there anything? Chances are it's age-appropriate. That's what kids do in nursery. Right, but she's doing it, like, constantly, more than other kids. Yeah, chances are it's still age-appropriate for different kids. (laughs) Like, she's the only one in their class. And? It could be, yeah, it makes sense. What do you think it could be? I don't know. I wanted to know if it's like something no, more sensitive. No, age appropriate. Age appropriate. It's totally age appropriate. Nursery. Her mother was It's age appropriate. Very, very age appropriate. Uh, even everything, like her coat, her shoes. Her, yes, um, they love putting every- everything in their mouth. And chewing on it. And chewing on it, yes. Mm-hmm. And okay, they could outgrow yeah. it. It could be that they're hungry. 
It could be censored. It could be so many things, but it could also be very age-appropriate. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. I, I can tell it to wait. Like, just to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely one of the points. However, if you see she's got other behavioral issues... Not really. No, then let her just put things in her mouth and you can see it. You might want to give it a couple of months, let it, and then maybe you can ask her, could you do something else? You could just ask her. But it's still age-appropriate. Now, there are, you can stop things that are age-appropriate. But Is it, like, do I need to stop it? Or? You don't need to, but you could. But it's still age-appropriate. Kids are, many kids can be very, what's the word I'm looking for? Very touchy. Um, forgot the word that I use now. Um, whatever it should be, kinesthetic. And they need to touch, they need to feel, they need to taste. If this kid is kinesthetic, they like touching things, they like things in their mouth, they feel it, they taste it. Remember, that's how little babies learn, right? What do they do when they crawl? They see it, they crawl to it, grab it, and stuff it in their mouth. One of the ways that we process is through our taste buds. And some kids kids are still older when their body is still wanting to learn through taste. And when Uh they get older, they might stop. Imagine Uh this kid might have the talent that the Rabbi Shalom gave it, for example, to be a wine taster. You have to have very delicate ta- palates for that. But they might have a taste where they can smell taste on a higher level than others, and therefore that's why this kid is doing it. Let the kids learn. Now, again, you can teach them to say, please don't put it in your mouth, but is it a problem? I wouldn't jump to a problem at all. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I'm going to ask if it's a sensory problem or something. It could mm-hmm. be, but it's also age-appropriate for nursery kids. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's okay. recognize age-appropriate. It's age-appropriate, Bar Hashem. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm going to read over your text. Hi, my name. I'd rather remain anonymous, even though the person wrote his name. I listen to you every week. I've, I have a question or two. First, I want to thank you very much in my name and in Yisrael for all that you do. Thank you. My question is, I'm 20 years old, and as of last night, my parents decided it's time for me to enter Shaduchim. And I feel about it. On one hand, I'm happy. On the other hand, I'm nervous. How do I deal with it? You are normal. Welcome to any great stage. I remember when Hervnissen said I could come on to the radio over here. I was excited, and I was nervous. Hervnissen, what about you? Do you remember when you went the first time on air, you were excited and nervous? Yeah, very much. So it's not very, very normal. <laughs> that's right. So you're starting Shaduchim, you're excited. On the other hand, hey, Shaduchim, a whole new level in life. Wait before the marriage. Oh, oh. that's right. Wait till the, you know something? My brother's getting married in a week and uh, something. I wonder what he's feeling of the couple, you know, the week before. Now, Baruch Hashem, I know he's doing well for all of you that are listening. We, Everybody, we sp- everybody's doing well, but they're not uh, exactly. you know, the cold feet and the cold feeling and... The nervous, the concern, am I doing it right? I remember one of the beauties, like when you become a therapist, I'm sure when you were in construction, oh, the first time you're doing it, are you doing it on your own? Did you do it well? And that's the normal process. All right. So welcome to the world of Shaduchim. May it go easy, quickly, and the Rabbi Shalom should send you the right Shidduch. Who's next? Miss S. Ms. S. You're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi, Zindi. Yes, it's you. Are you Ms. S? Yes, indeed I am. I really want to thank you. Can we just have you sounding a little muffled at this time? What? Ah, sorry. Are you able to hear? Yeah, it's just not coming out that clear, like a little, like, foggy. We're trying to Mm -hmm. play around with it on our end. We can help you out. All right, go ahead. Continue talking. Okay, so first of all, I want to tell you I just became aware of your line like a half a year ago. I must say that since then I've shared it with my family and my friends, 
and we've seen huge differences. We've all taken upon ourselves different things. I think it really, you know, you really deserve the credit, and I want to thank you for that. Wow, I am honored. Thank you so much. It's a schuss. And actually, tonight I'm calling for a reason that I really don't usually like to ask questions, but I was wondering if you could help me. Um, I tend to be very expressive when I speak, and I like to I like to say all my feelings, put every single one of them, like, you know, in an appropriate light and all. I was just wondering, I also express myself very well in writing. Yes. I feel myself, I'm a very, very stressed person, like, I have a lot of anger, a lot of guilt, a lot of anxiety and all that. And I was wondering, how come I could feel, I could express myself and I let the emotion go? On the other hand, I still feel so stressed. Um, excellent question. Fantastic question. The question is, if you're someone that's so emotionally expressive, and if you express it and you get it out, then why are you still stressed? Correct? Is that your question? Yes, you what? Yes, yes. All right. Well, let's understand it. First, when you express the emotion, um, let me give you first the muscle to that. Imagine someone's got a broken hand. And they talk about how pain they are with a broken hand, and they can even express it. Will it heal the broken hand? Mm, no. No. Expressing a feeling is the first step. Or really, the first step is acknowledging it. Second step is expressing it. But now the third, fourth, and fifth step are what tasks are you going to do? What are you going to do that the issues should not come up over again and again? What is within your power to do, or what are you afraid to do? And if you don't take those steps, the stresses are going to be coming up over and over and over again. So expressing is step one. But then mm -hmm. making changes in your life is the next step. And if you don't make those changes, then the stresses will get stronger and more intense each and every time they come up again. Right. Does that make so sense? You that. So uh, do you need to say that if a person expresses themselves and doesn't do anything about it, it won't really help? Well, it'll help for the moment. It'll help for an hour, two hours, until the next time the issue comes up. But then because you don't deal with it, it will now come up more intense the second time. And if you continue to express it, but you don't make choice, choice, choices or changes, then the third time it will even come up even stronger than that. Mm -hmm. Until people sometimes just give up on life. It doesn't even pay to talk because nothing will ever change. Mm -hmm. I understand. Uh-huh. So now let me ask okay. it to you. Do you find that the problems are happening over and over again, the same issue, but more intense and from different directions? I've just been thinking about it recently that things are just like re-happening, if you know what I mean. It's just like starting again. Yeah. After I finished solving one thing. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, why is it happening again? So That's yeah. right. So now I would ask you to think about what choices need to be made that they shouldn't happen again. So if there's a kid that's getting 65 on tests or 40s on tests and they're failing, they just don't study and they talk about, I'm so upset that I didn't do well, it's so not fair, the tests are so hard, then they feel better after. But then comes the next test and they fail again. Have you ever tried studying, listening in class, preparing before the test? Then we won't have to feel the anger and the pain and we won't have to blame others. We'll be able to take responsibility over our life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You have another minute for me? Yes. Yes? Oh, yeah. That would be so nice. You stayed up so um, late. This is what time is it by you? It's now five hours ahead, so we're talking about now two o'clock. Quarter to two. Close, yeah, quarter to two, ten to two now. That's impressive. Thank you for staying up.
<laughs> of course, what wouldn't I do? I want to ask you like this. The reason why actually I'm speaking about this is because I have a friend that she... I have had loads of friends in the past, really, shall we say, but this friend has been lately going... She just, she's very, um, shall we say, powerful. And I don't know, she takes me because I'm very expressive and she's very logical. And my issue is I get very stressed when I am with her. Now, my mother has really gotten into the picture and she's told me that I should try and just, you know, let it go a bit, not, not be so close to her. Now, I really feel like I really like her. And then my question is, if I'm in denial of the stress that she's causing me, or, or if or I really like her and I really, I really should continue. Do you know what I mean by that? Sure. Let me change your question to a little bit different. Your question is as follows. You have a friend that you're in pain almost every time you finish talking to her, and you know logically you shouldn't be speaking to her, but emotionally you can't disconnect and you're going back for more, and you don't understand why. And your mother mm -hmm. even suggests that you disconnect. Does that sound a little bit different, your question? Just like it, hit on the nail, yes. So what would you answer? Ah, first let's get the question. So the question is that you know logically you should not be speaking to her, or when you speak to her you're in pain, and emotionally you just can't disconnect. Perfect, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, let's try it differently. The answer is, when we have certain friends, there are several reasons. But two of the reasons are, number one, when we're around them, part of us that we like get used. Which means, sometimes we like feeling important, so we'll have a, a friend of ours that needs chizik, so now we can help them. So when we help them, we actually get helped and we feel good. Notice my words. Many times when I help people identify why they want to become therapists, why they're so busy with people with sorrows the whole day, it's because it's the only time they feel a value when they help someone else. So one of the times that we help someone is when it's for our benefit. Now, I don't want to take away the person's schar, but just to be aware there are subconscious issues. The other time mm -hmm. is when they have something that we like. means if she's logical and you feel good after that, or if she's powerful and you have powerful feelings within yourself, but you're not utilizing it, being around her makes you feel great. So we like hanging around people sometimes emotionally when they can turn on our emotions or when we feel good. They're either verbal, they're expressive, they're outgoing, they say what they're thinking, and we love that. We just don't like when it's at us or when it's to others that get hurt. But we like the concept. So you might really be a powerful person, but you're in denial of you being powerful. And that's why you want hanging around the person. So if you can identify what emotion you get from that person to then recognize that you have that emotion within yourself, then the third step is to give it to yourself from yourself and by yourself. You might find that you might not need to hang around this girl anymore. But notice that you are having some pleasure, some benefit when you hang around her, even though there's pain, because logically, you know, there's pain and you should stop. You can't. That means there is some benefit that you're having. Do you mean that even if, even if logically a person sees that in the wrong direction, they just don't stop? But emotionally you're being pulled to it, it means that there is a benefit that you're being attracted to. Yes. Mm -hmm. Even though I go out away pain. That's very interesting, actually. Yes. And it's against every bit of logic I can think, but yes. Yeah, that's... And just to, right, just to share with you, I have two programs that I usually recommend people to listen to similar to that. It's on the phone line, which is 718-298-2011. And it's in section one in the programs. It's number 34, 
where I explain how the subconscious works, a lot of information about the subconscious, and also number 36, where I give that whole formula, the ILA formula. But there you see how there's a subconscious part, a logical brain, and then there's even the action behavior part. Uh, so you want to fix other. Yes, and you can see that you might be able to identify where you are in that game. Uh-huh. Okay, I think it's been very helpful tonight. It was worth staying up. <laughs> ah, I'm honored. Um, Wait, uh, let's hear our listen. You stayed up. I you... Oh, okay, good. So we're going to go then to the next caller. Great, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Mrs. S. M- Mrs. S, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Good evening. Ah, a wonderful evening to you too. Thank you. My question is, um, I am very much following your advice about forgiving myself in order to forgive others. Ah. Uh. And I worked in it, and it's amazing. Good. Can you? Do you feel comfortable sharing on air how you did that? Because so many people, I feel this is information that's not out there. Um, basically, what I do is I go back to a situation where I was hurt, yes. and I try to imagine myself back the age I was and uh, and uh, things that happened then, and I forgive myself. I just speak to myself, and I say, um, I'm smarter today. I have grown up. If it would have happened today, I might have done a different decision. But yes, I was being taken advantage of. But the reason was because I was young, because I couldn't decide, because I didn't have the strength. I forgive myself for what I am and for my part in what happened then. And I just, I just speak a lot to myself as Weird as it sounds. That's excellent. No, that's actually not weird. I do that all the time. In fact, those of you watching on screen over here, which you can see on Lakewood Scoop at jarrettradio.com, I, pa- I tap myself on the back many times. Um, I can. First of all, you've done fantastic work. That's a great idea. Can I even add on another bit of idea how to even help that, that process even be stronger? Go ahead. Um, when you're in the past, when you imagine the past... Imagine yourself acting differently with the information you have now. So see yourself verbalizing and expressing, see yourself doing well on tests, see yourself making different friends. Actually live your life now in the past as if with the information you have now then. And you'll see even how it not only becomes a forgiveness or understanding, but it even will can become a powerful force of giving you energy and power for now, for the present and for the future. I hear you. I just, um, it's hard because my part where I forgive is about a lot of abuse and it's very hard. Yes, and in abuse, so now see yourself, how would you change that abuse if you have now the information and knowledge that you have now? What would you do? If you can go back in time to, let's say, that seven-year-old girl with all the knowledge and information that you have now, what would you do now? Um, I would say no. Excellent. So can you now picture yourself when you're that little girl, when you're doing that saying no? Can you even create Um, an idea that with knowledge now, you might even ask people for help, some healthy people? There might be a teacher, there might be a rub, there might be a family member, a grandparent, someone that's healthy, that you could even have them help you. um, I really don't want to do it. It's back to trauma. I really, I wouldn't want to do it. On the air, like no, I no, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm purposely not doing that. I'm just suggesting how when you do it with yourself to actually see yourself stronger. Well, I, I still am in therapy, and I, but I, I, I learned to forgive. I really beautiful, excellent. I really okay. okay. But my question here is then: Why is it also important for some people 
and um, I have a five-year-old sibling of mine, and she is saying that the only way she'll be able to forgive it is if, if I if I ask her for forgiveness, and and I can't find an answer to her. I, I argue with her that if she'll forgive herself for whatever she's done, then then she'll be able to forgive me. And she goes, no, you have to ask me for forgiveness, and and I don't know what to tell her because there is some sort of a halacha even that you have to ask for forgiveness, like Erev Yom Kippur. And... So let's... I'm going to try to explain something along this way. The uh, can way... you put me on mute for just one second? My son is knocking on the door. Okay. Um, can we just lower her mic? Okay. So let me explain a little bit the concept about forgiveness and the level where you're at and um, the level where your sister is at and what's happening. A very complicated question. Because when I was suggesting for you to see how you would feel safe in the situation and do it over, and you were not able to do that, that means you haven't yet forgiven. It means you might have accepted. It means you're in the process of forgiveness. And forgive me for saying this, but you haven't gotten to forgiveness. And that means you're still in that circle of pain, and your sister is in a circle of pain. Are you back yet? Yes, I am. Okay. But, um, we're talking about two different incidents, meaning... Um, the incident with my sister is my family, and the other part is a stranger. So it's okay. like two different... Now, do you notice, so let me share with you my theories about the subconscious. And that is, when we deal with the subconscious, what is going on in our subconscious, we're going to be attracting all over in our lives. Notice how you're busy with forgiving others that strangers did to you, and yet your sister is having an issue with you for, with forgiving you. Right. Notice how subconscious, that's the power of the subconscious. Meaning to say that it's connected, my sister's story, to this story. Yes. And okay. until you don't really forgive, others are going to have issues with forgiving you. Okay, but again, where is, where, why is it? Why is it for some people necessary that other people should ask them for forgiveness? Why can't they just um, calm down and forgive if the other party didn't tell them, I'm sorry, what if I would have been dead by now? So let me share with you then another halacha, that there is a concept that people go to people's kvarim, to their grave site, and they actually ask mechila, they ask forgiveness, so you verbalize. There's a very powerful concept when someone is abused to confront the abuser. And the people feel free after that. And many yeah, times... I, I have, I've gotten to that, but... I know, but your sister hasn't. Your sister is asking you to acknowledge the pain. They're looking for the validation that what you have done... I'm not saying you. Let's take it to others. That sister is looking for the validation that what was done to her was not correct. Okay, and then if I will tell her, um, sister, I acknowledge that I have done something wrong... Yes. And she would not, I, I don't have a problem to do it. I just want to understand that if she would have not go through the stage of forgiving herself for her part in the fight, and I would still come and say, I'm sorry for my part, will it finish the fight? Not finish, but it will be part of the process. It means there are several components to this process. Okay. Component number one is she has to learn to defend herself, which maybe she's learning now how to do where she's verbalizing it. Okay. Component number two is she now needs the acknowledgement because there's many times doubts. Did something really happen to us? When you speak to victims of abuse, they start thinking, maybe I asked for it. Maybe I shouldn't have yelled. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. 
Maybe I should, whatever it should be, there's doubt that they were wrong or not. It's amazing how people, when they're abused, how the brain distorts it, and they start believing that they are the cause to everything. That's right. So, okay, so basically the answer to my question is that, that if I forgive myself for my part in whatever has done to me or, or, or whatever I have did or whatever, yes. that's enough is not enough. Not, maybe not for the other one. That's right. Many times, or even for yourself, many times you might need to confront the person and say that what you did was wrong. And there's a freedom after. So I feel that with my sister, just to forgive myself, and we were both, you know, there's two to tango. So we were both, um, we were both equal in the fight. I yes. forgave her and I forgave myself and I'm fine going ahead. And I didn't understand why it can't work from her part that do the same thing, forgive yourself and you'll be peace of mind, let it go. And yes. she's unable to let go. So I was wondering... Um, if if that alone is not enough. So you're now, I have an enough. issue. I want to shift it to you. Why are you so comfortable just forgiving yourself, forgiving her without communicating it? It sounds from me as a professional, something is missing here. Why don't you feel comfortable discussing it with the assistant telling her, do you know that you also hurt me? Um, so because my sister is very closed-minded and Whatever I say, she takes it away. She, wanna under she wants so to understand So let's stop it. a second. Hold on. Is this part of your original fight that you had before? Yeah, she was a big controller. Okay, so now let's stop a second. I don't see that any of that has changed. How can you forgive your sister for doing that if she's continuing to do it in the present? Because I don't care. So, how, so you're going to have a relationship with someone that's going to continue to control you? No, I, I don't let her control me. I'm a very good sister to her, but I still do what I want, and I'm not Excellent. Listening. I got it. Excellent. Good. So you've created the healthy boundaries that now you can be close to her and you're able to be strong on your level. Right. Excellent. But, she, but, she, but she's still saying I can be friends with, with my sister until she forgives me. Now we're friends because we're friends and we speak because we're sisters, but there's an underlying um, third sister who is giving over information all the time. And I'm like, stop it. Yes. But there's nothing to talk about. She's not ready to hear me, and when I speak to her, she also says, oh, so you feel you're smarter than me, and I speak from the bottom of my heart, and I tell her, let go. It's just, you're just in pain for no good reason. Let go. Ah, so if notice, you're, pain, you're educating her now. I, I try, I try oh, to just... Oh, don't, don't even do that. Okay, so I, I stopped because there's no point. That's right. But then Sister sister C said, if you'll, if you'll ask, no, sister, if Sister A asks of you to ask forgiveness, that yeah. might help a little. And when you forgive, when you ask for forgiveness, you don't say, "I please forgive me." You only ask forgiveness for your part. Don't take, don't ask forgiveness for everything. You're not responsible for everything. They need that's, to take responsibility for their components as well. That's right. So, so this is why I I couldn't, I didn't um, go inside me. Why does Sister C think that if I'll tell Sister B? Um, I'm sorry for what I have done. It's going to finish the fight. Sister B is not ready unless I go back to under her control. And she's like, no, you'll see. If you'll ask her for forgiveness, the thing will be over. And I, I was like, okay, so let me understand why some people need other people's. Yes, because so, exactly. It gives the validation. It gives the acknowledgement. It gives the acknowledgement that pain was caused. It also takes responsibility for their component of the pain. However, it doesn't annul that person of part of their issues as well. 
Uh-huh. Okay, so I understand. Excellent. I understand. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so, so much. You're very welcome in Hatzlach, and you've done some great work. The fact you're able to bring Shalom to such a difficult case. We've got over here a question where someone asks, where can you hear the program about forgiveness? And that's on my phone line of 718-298-2011. It's in section one, and it should be from the last three or four programs that we have over there. It's how to go from anger to forgiveness. So it might be number 58, 59, 60, 61, one of those. Um, thank you for the questions. Harv Nissen, who's next? G. Mrs. G, you're on with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Okay, let me ask you something. Uh, maybe it's off topic. Um, I'm, I was wondering if you can help me, but if not, just tell me. Go ahead. Okay, um, the question is, I'm a teacher um, for teenagers, and... Um, something happened in the class. They basically wanted to have some fun at recess, and they did celebrations every day, and someone from the authority stopped them, and they were pretty upset about it. And today we had a writing session, and I asked them to write a letter to someone that they wouldn't really send, but they would have liked to send it to them. So I got back the writings. One of the girls wrote a letter to that person in authority and she's explaining basically that there's so many rules and regulations every step of the way and she put it down really really well like it sounds like she's very frustrated and she's asking like why can't we have a little fun i'm doing everything that you're asking me to do there's nothing against the rule that we did so why can't we continue it yes my question is, how should I react to it? Should I let her just pass, um, just ignore it and tell her, you know, I don't think it's appropriate and write something else? Or she well, didn't like to write anything like real chutzpah It's like more like expressing her feelings. Good. Well, I first would like to commend you and give you a compliment that it's fantastic. And I think teachers, if those listening can promote this and do this more often, it's fantastic for us to see what's going on in our students' minds and give them a place and opportunity to express that. I think that's from the most healthy things that I've heard in a while out there. That's amazing. True, but it's also a little bit hard because that was also like a question that I was thinking if we would have time, I would ask you, like, really, they write what they feel like. And sometimes I think, like, their feelings are not correct. Let's say if a girl is writing um, something about Hashem, like how she thought she should ask him for something. Like she wrote that she thought she wasn't going to ask him for a big thing because that's hard to get, so she asked for a little thing. I'm wondering, like, if it's appropriate I should comment or just let them have their feelings and not, like, show them that I acknowledge that it comes from you. Like, just let it pass as if she's writing from someone else's viewpoint. Let, let me share with you the information in the question. Arvindisson, first, what do you say to this? I think this is a big issue today, in the, especially in the yeshivot that uh, boys and girls somehow uh, feeling that uh, the rules or the authority are, and our boys and girls are smart and have a lot of things to, to talk with, you know, the authority, let's put it this. And they find themselves like uh, the authority is, and this is normal, it's, I think every, every teenager is feel like that's, uh, the authority around him is uh, closing him and put him in the, in the corner and they're trying to break the rules. Somehow, somehow I feel that uh, I, we had so many experience, you know, so many times experience with uh, teens at risk, what we said, that that was the, the main issue. 
why my dress is a business of my of my teacher and if, if I go uh, in certain uh, instead white shirt I go to with a blue shirt this is something that uh, it's it's very tough it's very tough to the teacher because we are living in a society that uh, you know that the meets tiny and we put our kids in a, in a box and I know that every teenager and every individual has his own individuality and he wants to express it. it it's, very, it's very nice from you that you call, uh, you call here to uh, talk with, uh, with Rabbi Mordechai about it because this is really need the answer from all, from all of us, all the direction, parents and teachers, how to address this issue. Because I think that it's, it's possible to give a little bit layer weight for, for layer out to the kids to express himself and uh, it's beautiful what you did with the letter yes so i would like to take now all this information and take it to the next step i view my role as a therapist to create a safe room a safe place for a person to express their feelings and here's what i'd like to compliment you or where you can compliment yourself you made it safe enough for them to express feelings that they might not feel safe to express anywhere, and they know you're going to read it, recognize that. I'm going to say this again. They've, you've created a safe place where they can share thoughts and doubts that they have that most of the time they will not feel safe to express to anyone or even to a teacher if they know they'll be attacked. And here they felt safe to trust you with that information. As a therapist, that is one of my primary goals, to make a safe room, to leave all, all options open, anything that you have about a family, about yourself, about halach, about Hashem, about mitzvah saveris, about hopes and dreams that you have. And when you're safe to express it, we can work on it. So first recognize and compliment yourself on what you've created. Right, now, so that's really where my question comes in, because I don't want to attack either, not either the girl that wrote about authority or even a girl that doesn't write something well in Ashkofa, because I don't want to, right. like, show them, no, it's not right what you did. That's Things right. Things are always right. Now, I would do something else. I don't know if the opportunity prevails in your class and in your setting, but I would ask each of the students or try to set up the time that you could speak to each of them for five minutes one-on-one -on -one about their letter. Even if it's just about simple things, I appreciate, and you might start off with a positive, I appreciate that you'll let me into your world. Let's just discuss, not about if it's right or wrong. How do you feel? Wow, so this one, so you feel Hashem doesn't answer your big questions? Let's discuss that a little. Hashem can do everything. Hashem is the Hakal Yachal. He might not give it to us when we want it. You can make a discussion. They, they're opening up their worlds to you. Imagine this kid... You has the opportunity, you see the opportunity, and there will, there will be no other opportunity for them to ever open up about that. And they might keep it buried. Imagine this girl, there's an issue with authority that she doesn't feel funny, you can discuss it with her. Maybe the fun that you guys did recess while you think it was okay, it really wasn't to disturb the whole class or disturb the whole school, but maybe we can work something out with a principal for you to have a break or for the school to do something or for your class to do something that's fun, that's appropriate. They're and they're letting you enter their world, enter it, but with love, with kindness, with caring, with opportunity. Mm -hmm. so you're now, in actuality, they're asking you to become a therapist. They've just let you into their secret world. I have, I'll share with you, one of my difficulties in therapy, when I have to switch out of the therapy world to the real world, quote-unquote, is since I'm such an emotional person, I'm a very open person, the, I don't use the word the lies, but the blockages that people have. In therapy, mm -hmm. I could push a person, what are your deepest, darkest fears? 
What are some of the various you have done that you feel you're now disconnected from, from Hashem? It could be Lush and Hara, it could be when you're a little kid, you turned on a light when no one saw, it could be you stole ones for the grocery. But I can go deep down into their lives. What's your deepest fear that's holding you back from success in your life? And I can help them push them and go into those dark places, but they feel alive. Then in the real world, quote unquote, where I have friends or places, and you ask a question like that, what's holding you back? And they look at you crazy. Wait, you're trying mm -hmm. to do therapy on me? But I really love connecting to people, knowing what's really going on on the inside. So they are allowing you into their deepest, darkest, on the deepest places of their heart. Go in with what is chus that the Rabbi Nishlam has given them, you, to be the shliach to help clear and work on stuff. These girls might open up saying, Oh, there was a grandmother that was sick and she wasn't saved. And that's why this girl always feels a heavy heart on the Rabbi Nishleilam. Or someone's parents that got divorced was davening that the parents shouldn't get divorced. And that's what happened. And now they know the big stuff. Hashem doesn't help them. And they never had the opportunity to express it. Just say, it's not true. Hashem loves you. It might be better. Just need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You're giving an opportunity over here. Please use it. With the greatest of humilities, you're given an opportunity to work on a teenager's mind. Wow. They're letting you into their deepest places of their soul. Let's go in there with love, with what a schus you have. And for teachers that will be doing that, go in with respect. Don't go in attacking. Go in with respect. You might even tell a girl, you know, your letter was very nice, but I think you could even give something more personal. Create them. Give them the space to create something more personal. This is really the point. They shouldn't be afraid of themselves. That's right. But if you're going to read and if you get afraid of that, then they will be afraid to respond to your questions in the future and to other teachers in the future. Okay, they're a little uh, in this stage that they would probably deny if I would ask them, but I have a lot of open discussions, so I'd rather, like, address the topic, like, just, like, out of the blue. Excellent. Say, like, That's just as good. This heard me to say, say this and that. No problem. I could definitely relate to that, that teachers don't really do one-on-one, -on -one, like in therapists, where we're trained to go one-on-one, -on -one, and we're trained how to go into it gently and softly but at, yet still be effective. So that is my take on this concept. Does that answer your question? Yes, I guess the other part has to be done anyways. Like, this is the soft part, but the hard part is also that I can't let it through, even though it's beautiful. I don't get written. it. What? I don't understand the tough part. Can you explain it to me? Because me and Nissan are both shaking our heads, not understanding what you're saying now. Um, I understand that it's a good thing that she expressed her feelings. I appreciated it. It's yeah. just hard for a teacher because I um, I have to show them, in a sense, that I'm on the side of authority, even though I might not agree perfectly. Wait, why are you doing that? Why are you even taking that role? Why? Who asked you to take that role? Because I don't think, as a teacher, it's right for her to let it, let it just, like, put it into her, put it into her writings and just, like, compliment on it. Why? All you asked her to express a feeling that she'll never get anywhere. Don't, don't, don't confuse your roles. Your role was That's not to tell me so. Like more, I appreciate your feelings, but we still. No, you're, you've just you've just blown it. You've just missed it. You've just gone from a, from a positive hundred to a negative hundred. You've just had That's a kid. I don't want to be negative. But no, 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 no. You're missing your roles. Not negative. Not negatives. Hold on. Let's stop there. You missed your role. You missed the role that you asked them to take. You can't. I feel you're asking for one thing, and when they do what you ask, and you're not ready for it, now you're acting differently. What was the question? The question was to please write a letter that you would have never told anyone, that you would never actually give to the person. Right. That's it. If you don't want it, if right. you need so to now take the rule, then don't read it. 
then ask them to take it, write it, now burn it or shred it. That's true. Stop. You haven't asked them to please write a note. And if it's something that I disagree with, I'm going to put you in your place. Or -hmm. if it's an educational issue, I'll educate you. Don't. You didn't ask that. You didn't tell them that. I understand. Imagine I ask someone to please tell me a, a secret that they're in pain. Then they tell me, oh, I can't afford your sessions and I have to stop now. And they go, oh, you can't talk about that. No. One of the first things I taught my associate that works with me is that when the person feels safe, they will be attacking us. We're the first ones that they attack when they open up. And what I go is, wow, that's so brave of you to expressing your inner fears to me. That is the your response. Your take is to just let it, like... Under, let no, it I will, no let's, let's change roles over here. If let's say your role as a teacher is, please tell me some issues that you have with the school and I will address it in the, in the teacher role. And, the, and this girl would write this letter, then you would address it in the teacher role. I understand your pain, but the school has rules and the principal has rules and you broke the rules. That's when you respond that way. When you yes. ask them to write an emotion, a feeling that they feel that will never go to the person... The role is now just to say, I'm very happy that you're able to express yourself so clearly. Would you want to discuss it further? Would you want any understanding into the principal side? Okay, so that's a good idea. To, to but like that's not the role. Ended. That's not the number one to do. That's like last resort. The real resort is, and just write comments, thank you for being so open and so real. How many of the girls wrote letters that were just like really not personal? How many girls didn't feel brave enough or safe enough to really share their pain or their feelings? A lot of them did. That's right. So recognize, do you know why they didn't? Because they didn't feel safe. See here, you've given this girl an opportunity to feel safe, and then you're going to take the teacher role and shut her down. In the future, she'll be writing those fake letters, those blocked letters. She trusts you. That's it. And you miss, in the minute that you behave the opposite, and you mistrust. No, I meant to say, I meant to say a lot of them did. I, it, it's probably, so they, this is they are compl- probably open because yeah. before I, they write, I give them writings of myself. I sit down, I write a few examples of myself. Yeah. So they feel like I share it with them. So then Beautiful. They're to share it with so me. you create a trust between Ex- them. But Ex- in the minute you're going to do the opposite, it's mistrust and you never get them back. You will never. First, I'd like to share with you a, a message we got over here. She sounds like an amazing teacher. I wish she could have taught me. We're getting messages about you. <laughs> I, 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 want, you. I want yeah. to tell you a story that uh, I, got, I heard it from Rabbi Yossi Mizrahi. And yes. he, was, he was in Canada in one of the schools, Yeshiva Voice. And he spoke about uh, God and Ashgacha and, and all this issue. And then he asked the teacher to leave the, the room alone. And he asked the kids, one-to-one, how do you believe? What do you think? And the number was stunning. The kids didn't know, didn't believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, mm-hmm. so we wow. as a teacher, uh, uh, the, the, the point that teachers, when they saw the teacher, they said about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, about everything, and then coming out, when the teacher just left the class, and uh, the classroom, Yossi got, he was, he was amazed. Yeah. So we have to understand that uh, he, all of us, you know, I'm looking myself as a te- right now as a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I'm not nothing. But uh, as, as a J-Root Radio, as, as, as our obligation to all of us to see the nefesh, the soul of this, our kids, and try to bring them close to the Kadosh Baruch Hu and behave. 
because exterior stuff right now is not working. Um, you got another message where someone was saying, wow, terrific. The thought is great. She should just be aware that she asked him to write a letter not that no one will read, so she shouldn't respond. That's why the girls opened up. I don't think this, this message is correct because I believe, as you said, they knew you're collecting it. So you're definitely able to respond. But my response would really be to her just sort of saying, I appreciate you opening up. You're doing amazing skills. You're so true, real, something like that. Do you want to discuss it? I'm available. Like I would maybe leave the door open to that, but not much more. Not like not to take that teacher role. And as you said, maybe during the class, two, three days later to make a discussion, you know, class, you like fun. Who feels it's too tough? And then you can take a teacher role. Okay. There's one other point that I'd just like to ask you. You've shared about some personal stories about yourself. Could you like tell me one letter like that you shared about yourself if you feel safe to do it on air? What do you mean about this letter writing session? No, yeah, like you said, like you shared something personal about yourself. Could you tell me something that you shared? It, was, it wasn't really about personally about me. It's my letter. I told them, like, they were saying, I don't want to write about myself. So I said, listen, students, I also wrote a letter. So now I could think that you'll think that I was a child. I was the kid in the corner. Maybe I was. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was the one having rahmunas on all these kids in the corner. Like, I tried telling them that you can't know what really the letter is all about. Like, I was trying to make them a safe environment. So did you share so, any stories about yourself? So basically, the letters was, one letter was about saying, do you know me? Like, you always see me in a class, you see me sitting at the desk. It's like, you always pass me, you, you borrow my notes, you study for tests, but really, do you know me? You know that I have a heart, I have feelings, I want to be part of your, uh, part of your friendship. So please Good, now stop a second. Now, I want to take a me. teacher role. Now, you just shared. Let's assume you're the girl that opened up, right? And mm -hmm. share that, do you know me? You think I'm happy, but really, I'm deep down, I'm sad. Now, I want to try a teacher role. Why do you think you're so sad? Do you know how happy you are? Do you know how many good things are going on in your life? You have friends. You know how many people don't have friends? You have a mother and a father. You know how many people don't have it? How would you feel if you wrote such a letter and all of a sudden you got that? That's right. Okay, I understand it. That's right. So that's why I'm taking the role. Now imagine you do the other way. Say, wow, it's so special and you're so, it's so amazing that to outside world you look so good. You look so successful and inside you're feeling so pain. Would you right. like to talk about it? Just know I'm available to listen. So you validate right. the feeling. You say, I'm so glad that you even feel safe for me to read it. And there they opened it up. You've got over here someone that's just sending in bold every single time. This teacher has a natural passion and the way of connecting. But, but, but she isn't aware of the million dollars in her hands. She just needs to, to hear that. That's right. You've got a million dollars in your hand. It's amazing. I guess I just I just confused like understand the therapist's point of view like we understand okay fine like I appreciate it and that's my point in having these but let's say from a kind of point of view I could imagine an authority saying don't like don't understand them so much like, be more by the rule like they have to take a test they have now, to take a what test. role are you taking now they're right and a therapist I need to change roles but understand don't take a therapist role and act in a chinuch role. Right, that's true. That's what I'm saying. Sure, you want to be a chinuch role, tell them. You're going to write letters, and I am going to be looking at it like a teacher. We're going to be marking it. I am going to be saying if it's appropriate or not. No, that's, that's true. So, in a way, like, so I enjoy the teaching part that I do. I do think that you must understand students, and that's the only way that you gain their trust, and that's what I do. But some people have 
uh, opposite um, opinion. They say, "What do you let mean? Me ask you're too those level, people, you're too understanding. You just have to like, sometimes people, not understand." Okay, let's stop like, a second. Like, those people. Kind of point of view. Okay, sometimes. so those so those people that don't believe that you're supposed to take that role of a therapist. How many of those teachers get the students to open up? Not much. That's it, and that's the answer. I if, understand. I got it. You got it. What did you get? That I should I shouldn't look at it as a as a total kind of question. I should look at it as an as an opportunity to to have have them open up and share their feelings. That's right. And you're teaching them how to share their feelings for life that unfortunately the kids are begging for. The amount of kids that I work with, when I say kids, I'm not talking about under the age of 9, 10, because I don't really like dealing with kids under 9, 10, because I say this all the time. Most of the time, it's the parents that I need the guidance and things along those lines. When I deal with the kids above 10, 11, 12, they just need to talk someone that's completely safe. And boy, what changes it makes in their life just being able to talk. And that's where I see things changing in our future. And that's part of the reason why I believe so many kids are having difficulties. It's just not safe to talk. Right. Excellent. So I want to tell you the compliments that you're getting here are amazing. And just keep it up and keep on growing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Excellent. Excellent. Maybe take a question. I'm just going to try to hook up. All right, you know. Let's... Okay, no, but uh, I want to say that the police, the policemen, never prevent a crime by standing. You know, that's people afraid of police. But as as educator, as they have a different, different, total different uh, part in our children and our, you know, soul and as diamond, they have to polish them and take care of, you know, of them like like a real diamond and not like a policeman. And that's why many times, many times we found our kids that are not participate in the game of the school. So, uh, wow, we have so many phone calls. So wow. We'll like this. Okay, we'll go with uh, Miss uh, M, M. Mrs. M, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Thank you so much for taking my call. It's been quite a heavy show tonight, if I might say so myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, my question is of a totally different type of question. I don't know if you can help me, but I think you might. Um, is there such a thing as reacting physically to something that might be an emotional trauma? And I'll, I'll give you an example. Wait, yes, can you uh, say that again? Can you ask that again? Is there such a thing as reacting physically okay. to something that's triggered by a smell? That was could have been maybe called an emotional trauma. That it happens repetitiously after the trauma. Now, if you and can sort of make let that me give a, you the example. Exactly. And I'll tell you what. Okay, so what happened was I had a fire in my house in a toaster oven. Sounds pretty innocent. Oh no, it doesn't. Once you say but fire was, in a house, it already is not innocent. Well, right. So it was a toaster oven. You know, I did the right things. I pulled the plug out. I stood by my door just to make sure. It was going out. Now, I, the, the fumes and the smoke were terrible, the smell, and I reacted very badly physically afterwards. Yes. Okay. Now, after that happened, it took about an hour, and then after my physical reaction, I slept, and then I was fine. Another uh, few weeks later, something burnt in my house, just onions. Yes. I had the exact 
same physical reaction. Yes. And of then okay, so that that passed and I thought maybe maybe there was some chemical used on something. Okay, that passed. It happened again. I could say maybe 6 to 8 weeks later. A much lesser level burning like um Let's stop there a second. Hold on, let's stop right there because you've already given enough information. Okay. Uh, let's explain to you about the subconscious. Okay. The subconscious associates, makes associations, which means person smiling. I remember my past person smiling means the person's a nice person. Frown means person's mean. I don't like the person. Or if someone is very loud, I love loud people. You hear someone talking loud, I like them. Automatically, we make associations by the second. By okay. the second we see, that's how the subconscious works. Not only is sight an association, but so is touch. So automatically, if we touch fire for a second, it gets warm. We pull back so quick because our brain has already once been burnt. And we've already learned, or like even just touching fire, we've already learned the need to pull away. Correct? Yes. The same is with smell. In fact, in Svarim, I've seen brought down, and that's why we. Why, that's why the Gemara says we have Matzah Shabbos. We smell the psalmim because the smell is the one of the senses that was never pagim or whatever that means when Adam Arishan ate. That's not the Gemara, but I saw from other places. For whatever reason, this, let's let's leave it this way: the sense of smell was never. Affected, included in the Avera? Yeah, and therefore it's stronger than any other sense that it can affect us more than anything else. So okay. anyone that is a therapist that deals with trauma knows touch, sound, sight, smell, taste can bring us back to places in our memory in instantly. Right. And that's exactly what seems to be happening, that the smell is triggering the trauma, the fear, the same association as what your brain creates. Okay, but it has gotten less, meaning... Yes, it um, makes the sense. The reaction is getting less every time, but it's just very strange to me after three months that... Oh, it can even... be for 30 years. It can oh, be my. for 30 years. I is know there anything old... I can do to help myself? Sure, let's even give you one more story. I know someone that is a Holocaust survivor that whenever they see a police officer, they get afraid. Okay. And this is 70 years after the war, and they're now in their mid-80s or late-80s. Does it have to do with the severity of the trauma? Definitely. Doesn't that make, right, so I didn't think mine was such a trauma. Well, we definitely know it is now. Uh-huh. Maybe the trauma wasn't the smell. Maybe the trauma was your fear for kids in the house. Maybe the trauma was... Well, it wasn't no, no, but everyone was outside. I might have had the fear just of the house. Right, or on, it right. might have also been the level of stress that we're under. Sometimes it could be a small instance, but if the stress is huge, it's like a little match, but it will light an entire room if it's full of fumes. So not necessarily can the uh, activating event be the trauma. It could be the stress around it. And now the two fused together, got stuck together, got a mesh together. Uh-huh. So now one of the ways to get out of it is exposure therapy. Start burning things right and left. Really? Seven, eight times a day. And you'll see how you get comfortable with it. That's one of the levels. Hmm. Yeah. Burn. Okay. Burn. I really burn things. Burn. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's the exposure <laughs> therapy. Harvinus, right, mm -hmm. what would you suggest? I, I should that. do that to myself. Oh, go ahead. That's exposure therapy. It's like a person's got to jump into the pool, but I'm afraid I'll drown. Get into the pool. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exposure therapy. Okay, and how often should I do it? 
Um, try four times in one day for about three, four days in a row. Okay. And then I should report back? Yeah. Call <laughs> back next week, Merit Hashem. Looking forward to hear how it goes. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. The number to call in is 718-298-2011, Sorry, what am I saying over here? The number is um, 683-5858. All the line is busy. Oh, all the lines are busy. Okay, so I wanted this. She reminded the smell. Till today, 42 years after the war, I have, when I'm thinking about the war, I have the certain smell of explosion and uh, burning of the, the flesh and the, the gas around us. And yes. today, when I think about the war, this is the smell that you That's, feel. It. Yes. And it, you cannot take it out. That's it. It's in there. It's in yeah. the brain. It's mm-hmm. in there, washed in there. Okay. Okay, Miss Miss S. Miss S. Mrs. S, you're on with Mordechai. Hi. Hi. I'm calling regarding my friend. She's actually on the line with me. Oh, it's going to be so hard to answer. Every time we get that, there's always more information needed. I don't, I don't <laughs> okay, want to sound negative. I just, just ask the question. I will try to deal with it. But for people listening, it's very not easy. It's very difficult to answer such questions. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll deal with it. But just be aware that you're asking me, you're asking me to climb a mountain with two hands behind my back. Uh-huh. Okay. Go ahead. Now I'm willing to give it a shot if we're all aware. All right. Thanks. Um, basically, she works in a place where there works a man that's divorced, and for some reason, they... Is, is this appropriate to be asked on here? Um, There's a lot of families, people, and family members that are listening. Right, just, I think so. Let me try. Do you know what? How about we put you on hold? I have Nissen here the question before we go on air. All right. That, so that, we'll, that let's do great. that, and I'll take me on another caller. All right, thank you so much. All right, so listen, you'll listen to this person's question, because I'm not sure if it's so appropriate for the radio. If you say it's good, then we'll deal with it. If not, me, we'll put on the next person, and then we'll do that. Miss R. Mrs. R. Ms. R., you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes. Yes, hi. Thank you for taking my question. My pleasure. Yeah. uh, Yeah, you seem to be a very, very experienced therapist. Um, I just wanted some guidance regarding um, the ther- um, therapy. Go ahead, um, ask. Yeah, so what should one do if someone like, is experiencing like, anxiety for a few years and they're not sure if they should like, stay with their current therapist or switch to someone that is much less experienced? Like, well, I wonder why we're getting to that. Well, it's like we, we're asking the question and then all of a sudden we took a turn. So let's get to the question. You're going, you'll have anxiety for several years, and you're going to an experienced therapist for how long? Once a week. You're, you're asking for how long? How long are you going to this experienced therapist? About two years or so. And how much has it helped you since you've gone to that therapist? It helped, like, not, it didn't fully help. Like, I would say 80%, but then it, it came back. So it wasn't like fully, you know. So it helped 80%. Is it still helping 80%? No, now it's back to like maybe 20%. So I would discuss it with the therapist and first tell the therapist, listen, it doesn't seem to be working. Who else would you recommend? 
But they do recommend, like, he recommends that exposure therapy is the only, you know, is pretty much how it's going to, that's what's going to help me. But, um, yes, I don't know if it's, like, if it's just, if I should switch or how can one know? Um, you definitely switch. But I don't, I think you should switch, not just goodbye, not showing up to the therapist. I think you should switch by discussing it with a the therapist. And if they say exposure therapy, tell them, okay, that's one option. Who else do you recommend? No, he's willing, he's telling me that the only way to get better is through exposure therapy, meaning if you don't follow these steps, then you won't get better. Is that, and based on your experience, is that the only way? Like Absolutely not. I don't enjoy when people say the only way. It might be the only way that therapist knows. There are many different ways. I don't know what tools a therapist has done with you. There's EMDR. There is just CBT. There is exposure therapy. There are so many different different types. There's even exposure therapy, and there are two different types of exposure therapy. There's the one, the hard one, where you go straight into the highest one. There's one, the desensitization, where you go the smaller one first. There's so much out there. Meaning if I switch to the one that is not as experienced, they might... They might just do the same thing. Like, say, the only way is through exposure therapy, like, in order to lessen your anxiety. So, I just, you know, based on your experience. I have a separate issue. That you, how often are you going to this therapist for two years? Once a week. I, I, in general, have a difficulty. And for all those therapists listening out there, I mean, we've got to see results. I have clients coming to me for a year, a year and a half, but there has to be significant changes with significant improvements without falling back. Going to therapists once a week for two years and therapists, if you're on the line and you want to disagree with me, go ahead, but I want you to be licensed and experienced. Going to someone for two years and then falling back to 20% is something that's telling me it's not right. Therapy is just like any other line. Imagine you go to a medical doctor and you go there for two years and you fall back to 20% after two years. You're going to a construction and building, you're building a house, and after two years, you fall back. Now, it could be that there are other issues going on. So going to a less, now, when you ask your question, going to less experienced therapist, how do we take that turn? I hear the question, should you continue with that therapist or get a second opinion? I suggest get a second opinion. And then I would request that you call up Relief or Echo, which do the Jewish referrals. Mm -hmm. Someone who just has done for four years, is that considered experience? Yes, four years is okay. Give it a shot, certainly. Yeah, Yeah, four years is experienced already, sure. Because this person, like this person I'm currently going, like... His successful rate is very high. Like, a lot of people are, you know, successful after a few months. I don't know. Maybe it's because of me. Cause I'm Look, not, I like, could be amazing. I could be a great therapist, but I might not be the right therapist for everyone. Okay. Just about the match. It's about sometimes I can help a client 30, 40, 80%, and I can't do the last 20. I've just sent someone. I was able to do 85% of the job, but the last 15 I couldn't, and I even sent them to a life coach. Sure, it's not about finishing, it's not about better or worse, it's about who connects, who clicks, and to fall back after two years of going once a week and falling back to 20%, it's just not how right, it's even, done. Right, I even see the connection is not strong anymore, like, the, the, okay, the session is supposed to last 40 minutes, Yes. and it's being like 20 minutes. Just no, this is not the 30. way it's supposed to be, it's not the way it's supposed to be, it's not therapy. 
regarding that, therapy, like if someone, let's say, needs to go through exposure therapy, do they give them steps? How of to course, do it, or that's they, it. And the therapist is there with you, of course. Or they just say, like, do it just every day. You need to do something consistently because I feel like I need someone no exposure therapy is you go with what you can and you start and it's it, the therapist works with you it's a chachma it's a talent it's an art and it's an education yes so I'm saying you as a therapist you like for exposure therapy you tell them like step by step what you sure, do sure exactly and I even many times I let them text me since I don't have a cell phone they text it to my email when they do it sure and if they sometimes need a two-minute chizik, I have an associate that would call them up just to follow through, of course. Uh, Many times... Like, what? It's not, it's not like just telling me, for example, like... No, you don't tell the person, go ahead, let's say you're afraid of fire. Go ahead, go next to fire. No, it's the first thing is, can you be 10 feet away from fire? Then the next week, let's increase it to 8 feet. When it was 10 feet, what did you feel? What were all your fears? What can we do to relax you to get you safer to be now 8 feet next to the fire? Right. So like I see right now, like you're asking me a lot of questions. You know, of course. Every session is individualized. Of course. Yeah, so and, and what I would work with one client on anxiety will definitely not be what I would work the second one. One might be anxiety, uh, let's say even about being public, that people attack them and people will be angry at him. And another person's anxiety could be that his father was someone that was always the laughing stock of the kahilo, so he's embarrassed. It's a whole different issue. We need to first identify what's the anxiety coming from. Where is it? What are the triggers? What are the associations? How does your head work? There's so much involved when you do it, even exposure therapy. I need to decide, are we going to go to the most extreme first if the person's strong enough to handle that? Most of the time, they're not. Most of the time, you do one step at a time. So you kind of guide them? Every step of the way. But notice the words I'm going to use that I like you said, guide. I let the client determine what they're Mm -hmm. ready for. Right, for sure. They tell you like what they're anxious, you know, what makes them more anxious, but you're saying they, you, you kind of got them which one they should, which one is, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Excellent. So did that help you? Yeah, yeah. Thank Excellent. you very much. Excellent. My thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. Miss T, how are you? Are How are you? Hi. Thanks for taking my question. My pleasure and honor and schuss. Okay, so my question is like this. I have a close friend. Um, the problem is that internally she... Let me answer it. It's not your responsibility. You might try to help, but it's hard to do it. Now, let me hear your question. Sorry. Yeah, Let's... right, right, right. So externally, she appears to be a great girl, but internally, not. She has a very strong nesoyan to technology and um, internet and... Yes, okay. So we don't on. need to hear more. Yes. Mm-hmm, right. So, like... I, as I know her internally, you know, she, she was gone so far that she had purchased things behind her parents' back. And I know about it, and her parents don't. And besides that, she has, you know, bad friends. So my question is, how can I influence her? How can I convince her to drop it, drop the, you know, the technology and drop her friends? Because externally, she appears like a fantastic girl, but I because I know her so now, well. Now, even before you asked your question, what did I answer you? That it's not my responsibility? How did I know to say that without you even asking your question? I know, but the thing is, I'm the only per- like one of the only people that know her so well, and I know. Like, it's, I think How I would know you like me to tell you your entire family? Without, do, do I know you? Have I ever spoken to you in my entire life? 
No. No. Let me go ahead and tell you a little about yourself and your family, and then we'll understand why whatever answer I'm going to tell you isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. So your parents are the most amazing and wonderful parents that they're helping the entire world. You have guessed if anyone needs a favor, your mother is always available on the phone to talk to them. Is that correct? Very much, yes. Yeah, I've never met your mother. Have I ever met you if I don't even know who you are? Right. Your father is someone that cares about Kleistron when he davens. He puts so much heart into his davening. True. Yeah, I've never met him. You're someone that whenever you hear there's a tsara for someone, you're davening, you're saying to Hillam, every time you hear Nebuchadnezzar, there's a tragedy, you care for it as if it's happening by you, chas v'shalom. Are you sure you don't know me from somewhere? Absolutely sure. In fact, I was even able to finish your question without ever even hearing your sentence. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> okay, now we thank Hashem for that. But it was a good lucky guess that I took, but I'm glad I took the right, because there are two ways for me to go with the way you're asking your question. Now let's take it. Unfortunately, for the positive, or to how to get out of it, or let's always start with the positive. The positive is that you've learned how to feel Kol Yisrael Arevim All of Kal Yisrael is one. And that's an amazing bracha. And that's what Achtus is. Achtus is it doesn't matter what color you are, if you're a Yid, you're a Yid. It doesn't matter how much money you are, if you need help, we're there to help you. And that's the beauty of Kal Yisrael. However... If we don't have a balance to this amazing feeling of feeling for everyone, we will get in over our head and we will get burnt. So now let me ask you, how many times is your mother overwhelmed? Your mother could get nervous and it's really not your fault. Just she's helping so many things or so many things are going on at once. Don't answer that. I'll give you the answer. It happens. And how many times is your father pained or hurt when you just see he's nervous and you know it's not about you guys, but it's just happening. Don't answer that. But I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, let's try it this way. What is a step that you need to learn with the great power that Rabbi Shalom has given you and your family of feeling for all of Klai Yisrael is also when to know it's your Achrayas and when it's not your Achrayas. When to know that if you're going to get involved, you're going to get burnt and you might get so hurt that you'll never want to help anyone again. And all those that are Askanim or that are former Askanim, I feel for you. And I know what you're talking about and they know exactly what I'm talking about. How many people dropped helping Klal Yisrael because they felt for everyone, but then they got hurt and burned too much. What happens if I'm going to try to tell you how to get this girl to stop buying, purchasing, and go behind her parents' back, but there are so many family issues here. This girl has no one to talk to. This is her only way out. No, she has who to speak to. That's the thing. She has many friends. She's popular. She's well-liked. I'm not asking what we look at. I'm asking what she feels on the inside. The fact that she's got internet behind her parents' back is telling you that it's not so. Right. There's a lot more that you're inexperienced, Hasram, not in a way to knock you down, but you might be getting in over your head. And the minute you'll tell her stop or the minute you'll tell an adult... It's going to ruin everything. So what I would recommend you to do is, yes, to speak to your parents and ask your parents, what do they suggest? Am I allowed to tell them, even if I promised her that I'm not going to repeat? Bingo. One of the biggest mistakes you've made, and you probably will never repeat it again. When you promise someone that you will not say something, now you're trapped. What are you going to do about it? You don't have the knowledge, the experience, and the, and the how should we put it, the strength to deal with such a complicated case. Right, but I could save her future that way. 
She's screaming a future now. She's Let me ask decision. you something. If someone's having a massive heart attack now, Mm-hmm. And I'm busy trying to talk to them and do CPR, and I don't call 911 for help to get them to a real doctor. Am I helping them? No. Do you realize that the internet is very severe? There's many issues that you don't even hear that's going on that I hear in your question. Just from the way I can read you, from the way you started your tone of voice and starting your question, I can hear from what you're asking how complicated the situation is. Now, what would happen if you're going to try CPR when they need an entirely valve replacement going on in their heart? Are you going to help them or Hasram, will you kill them? Probably kill them. That's right. So I am telling you now that you can learn for the future. When you promise someone I won't tell anyone and they b- lay on you a bomb, it's mm-hmm. not safe to promise. A, learn to do that. And B, by keeping that promise might actually harm them. And I don't even have the answer what to tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't have the answer what so to tell you. you t- say I should with my parents about it yeah or maybe tell your parents i don't want to tell you which girl because i promised i won't tell i promise i won't tell but this and this is going on what do i do maybe they'll ask they'll have you ask a rob and they'll tell you if it's appropriate or not i don't have the answer i honestly don't have the answer mm-hmm. okay excellent just Thanks, be really aware appreciate it. you're welcome just be aware that you're going into the line of helping people you need to be able to know what you can help what you cannot help if you cannot help and you have them talk to you you're unfortunately making it worse not only aren't you making it better but you even make it worse you're right i didn't think about that that's why you're calling in and that's how we all learn we all started like you if you don't start and you don't get burnt a little and you don't go through the pain or, or having other people go through that pain You'll never take it to the next level. And that's why I'm so brave. That's why I'm so proud of you that you're brave enough to call in. Thank you very much. I appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Hatzlacha. Nice. Bye. Bye. Shlomo. Shlomo. Harvnissa, what do you say to that question with that girl? Would you have said she should tell her, to her teachers? I definitely think she should tell her parents. But again, again uh, the way that she put it again, and like uh, she won't say which girl is it, I think that uh, definitely she will add. It will take from air some uh, yes. pressure because she, right now she feels uh, under pressure. That's right. There's a big, huge responsibility big on her. And she has to tell someone, but uh, to do it the right way. Again, uh, we don't know what is, uh, as you said. That's we it. Don't know, we don't I know, can't uh, even uh, suggest. Nothing, I don't have what nothing. to suggest. Yes. Shlomo, you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Hello, um, I want to give a Shabbat Shalom to Grandma Weiss and Grandpa Weiss. Ooh, okay, that's nice of you. Um, in different programs, I know people give a shout-out. So, Ms. G, we don't do that in this program. Ms. G, how are you? Hello? Yes. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. First, I'd like to thank you. You're doing an amazing um, program. You're really helping out everyone. Excellent. Um, my question is like this. Um, whatever I do, I push myself very, very strongly. And if I don't succeed 100%, I right away feel very, I don't feel good about myself right away. Yep. What other word I, can you use to call yourself besides of pushing yourself 100%? Let's give a more negative word to it. Per- not perfectionist. perfectionist. I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> really? So then why do you push no. yourself so hard? Because um, that's my nature. Okay, fine. So you I, push let's yourself... Say, I'll give you an example. Let's say I teach, yep. and I prepare my lesson, and I work very hard, and my lesson doesn't go exactly the way I like it, then 
I'm not happy with myself. Isn't that a perfectionist? Yeah, but in other ways, I'm like I'm not a perfectionist when it comes to like other things. Like people don't know me as a perfectionist. I'm not asking what people know you. Most of the people, when I get the clients, let me share with you a client, and I'll describe to you an mo that I hear as a perfectionist, and it's as follows: a bacher or girl doesn't want to go to school. They can't study that well. They have full potential, and they just feel life is so heavy, but they don't do much. Would you say that's a perfectionist? Could be. I would say it's a major perfectionist. The pressure in their heads that they should be doing things to themselves is what's eating them up. And now you try to strive and for yourself it eats you up. That's still a perfectionist. Simple. If you're not a perfectionist, you're comfortable the way it is. You do the best that you could. There are times that you have energy and you do, your, you do more than the best. And then there are times when you can't do your best and you just wing it. If it eats you up that you didn't do such a good job, then you're a perfectionist. If it could be that you're a perfectionist with yourself and not with of other course. things that yes. you're not so organized. Def- definitely. I'm one of those people. I am such a perfectionist on myself, working on that so hard. But to my clients, I'm so understanding and Hashem is understanding. And many times when I do the therapy on myself, not means not me, when I have therapy on me, sometimes my inner solutions, my emotional solutions are for me to be so understanding with myself as I am for others. Yes. And what like what is it what does it come from? Well, first let's take it to you. As in what? Where do you think it comes from? Which one of I your parents are perfectionists? Go for the best. Push themselves. Always say, Come on, you gotta do better, you gotta do more, not in a negative way, or push themselves that they should have done better. But it's been it's very positive for me, like I got very far because of that. Of course, that's the addiction. And the older you're going to get, that addiction, unless you learn to balance it, it's going to shut you down. Perfectionist has that great appeal. Remember, every negative trait has a positive. Every positive trait has a negative to it. The positive of perfectionist is, but things get done. And we push ourselves. The negative is, we beat ourselves up. The negative self-talk eventually beat us up. The negative, the the unhappiness that we feel within ourselves the pushing ourselves that when we need a break and we still push ourselves that's all part of the negative price to perfectionist so it's good and bad you got it like everything else out there it's good and bad now if you can learn to balance the positive of perfectionist like Baruch Hashem I've you know I feel I've definitely have a great handle on my perfectionist I work a lot I do a lot but at the same time I'm creating space peacefulness so what what am I supposed to do about it so you want to know now, like, the 10 to 15 sessions that you work on, if not more, that a therapist will give you 45 no, minutes like individually? No, like, basically, in short, like, what... So in short, you want me to I give you the 15 way. sessions of 45 minutes in short. In short, just let go. Uh, like, how do you let go? Oh, that's the short version. The short version was let go. <laughs> <laughs> The longer version is we need to identify what are your pressures, what's the reason, what are your fears if you don't do well to yourself, what are the expectations that people have on you. We need to help you identify how many generations back is this perfection is going on. We need to help you recognize when you take the time off what negative voices you tell yourself, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so, you know, I, I didn't accomplish anything. When you The 10 seconds when you don't push yourself, how bad and you beat yourself up. All this is like just a short version that will give you just let go. Mm-hmm. All right? 
Okay. All right. So we've got about two minutes to go. So maybe we just finish with this. We take one more caller. Thank All you. right. And then tell me when we got one minute to go. Mrs. S, we got two minutes for your question and hopefully answer. Um, I I think it, it's not going to be enough two minutes, but um, uh, I guess I'll call next week again. Ah, with maybe, pleasure. Maybe Please. We'll try. What about like um, I have a fifteen-year-old, let's say, and he's the youngest in the house, and um, I just want to know how I can occupy him in the evening. Keep him busy. Get how? Get, what would you like to do? Um, puzzle, read a book, do homework. Excellent, but why do you have to be involved in that? That's the kid's job. Because otherwise he sits and he plays the PlayStation. All right, so then you shut the power of the PlayStation and you say it's not available. On on Monday through Thursday, you could play with it, you know, Friday, Shmutz Shabbos, and Sunday, but not during the week. So then he might read Goyish books. And then why is there Goyish books in your house? There are no, but he might go to the library. So this is now a whole parenting question going on. This isn't a question about how do you get your kid. This is about you don't have control over your kid. Uh-huh. And it's a whole different question now. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm afraid to be too controlling, so I'm trying to be um, like medi- like in the m- medium, but like you hear so much of the derech and this yeah, and that. I'll and tell you what. This is something you need already more guidance one-on-one. And here's like where I tell like the parenting class, like the guidance for that, because it's a lot more complicated than just to create the awareness or like the little idea. Thank you for your question and the bravery calling that in. And it's we can use a lot more questions. Appreciate it. Thank you. So we're going to be signing off now. I'd like to vinch one more time an amazing mazel tov to my mother on the Shidduch Merit Hashem, my brother's Eifruf coming up to Yitzchak, my brother Yitzchak Weinberger, getting engaged, getting married to Rifki Landau, the daughter of Yechiel Landau and Shay Parnas from Muncie and from Yechiel Landau here in Flatbush. Mazel Tov, looking forward to this beautiful Eifruf. May we be Zoycha together, the families that they should build a bias now and be Yisrael, a shame to Ferris, to be happiness and Simchis till 120. May we Zoycha for the Bias Gael Tzedek together with whoever is not here to dance at the Simchis. May we all share in Simchis with the Gula Shlema together. Thank you all.